0: This is the OANDA podcast.
1: You're listening to the OANDA Market Pulse podcast, talking to OANDA senior market analysts across the world. Let's join Craig Earlham in London. Good afternoon, Craig. Good afternoon. How are you? Very good. Let's first reflect on the midterm elections in the United States and some surprising results. Not such a good night for the republicans and particularly not for donald trump the democrats did much better than expected how have markets responded to the news
0: the markets haven't really responded to be honest and it's hard to say whether they would have regardless i think it was expected that it was going to be either republicans taking both chambers or at least taking one which means that president biden is going to struggle to do anything over the course of the next couple of years so the markets were already kind of settled on that, and that hasn't really changed, regardless of the actual political differences that we've seen overnight. From a markets perspective, we have the same outcome. From a political perspective, it's arguably a very different outcome. The Democrats have performed better. They could even still retain control of the Senate and the House is going to be an extremely close run race. When you consider how presidents and their parties usually perform in these midterms, the Democrats are going to look at this as a massive victory and the Republicans are going to be asking themselves questions about what's ultimately gone wrong. It's worth stating that there are still plenty of votes being counted in certain states. Uh, But obviously, you know, usually when we're going through this process, how these things go. And there's certain ones which have already been accepted uh, and the victors declared. So you can see where this is moving. What's interesting is the analysis of how Trump-backed candidates have done, because a lot of the talk recently has been about how well they have fared in the polls and how well they're expected to do. And some of the early analysis seems to suggest that actually not only have they not performed as well as they expected, they've really not performed very well at all. And while, again, that is only a political argument and we're not really interested in that from a markets perspective, when that becomes interesting comes to Trump himself, right? Because by attaching his name to these candidates, that was expected to be the thing that would propel them forward. It was meant to be a vote of confidence in Trump himself, and this coming about a week before, he's actually expected to announce that he is running for president. I wonder if that's going to force a rethink, not necessarily in his decision to run for president, I'm sure it's highly likely at this point that that's going to be the case, but maybe the timing of the announcement, because they're going to have to do an analysis of what's gone wrong here, what isn't resonating with the voter base, what is resonating with the voter base, and why potentially, obviously with some votes still to be counted, have Trump-backed candidates not performed so well. That's, the thing the biggest talking point and the thing that's going to have the biggest market implications over time is going to be, does this mean that Trump's not uh, now resonating as well with the electorate as A, Trump thought, B, his team? thought, or see the Republican Party thought, because they've kind of stayed behind him uh, over the course of the last couple of years, this idea that you can't really go against him because it's a bigger risk to go against than it is to stand behind, because he's probably going to be the person who's going to lead the Republicans into that next election. And we've seen before that the markets perform well while uh, Trump was present for the majority of the time up until the point that the pandemic hit. So that's when it could have market implications. But, and I need to stress this, while markets are forward-looking, the global economy and the US and the markets have a lot to contend with over the next couple of years. So we can't really expect the markets to factor too much of all of that in, given how much can change in that time at this point in time.
1: And what may happen, of course, is in two years' time, When we have the presidential election, the global economy may have recovered. Uh, But that's a very big uh, if at the moment. I should say it was a good night for potential Republican candidate Ron DeSantis in uh, Florida. Did the opposite of those Trump candidates and won by a mile
0: yeah and he is expected to be the front runner in terms of who's going to be the republican candidate up against uh Donald Trump himself to the point that they, there's been an exchange of sorts in the media recently uh with uh Trump suggesting to put it mildly that he should not run against him it feels like this is one of those battles that could become quite intense and quite fierce over the months ahead as the two kind of battled out publicly for that nomination i think it's obviously going to be a really interesting couple of years but i can imagine at least outside of the u.s maybe inside the u.s can be slightly different but outside of the u.s in the months ahead while that battle is taking part in the background i think the focus for most people is going to be diverted elsewhere because as i've already alluded to there is so much to talk about at this point in time there's so much happening in the global economy and we've still got extremely high levels of inflation for example and the prospect of a global recession. Session. So that's going to have to sit on the back burner, unfortunately.
1: Okay, let's uh, switch topics and talk about cryptocurrency, which is uh, plummeting at the moment right across the board. Bitcoin down over 10%, Ethereum shedding something like 17% of yesterday's price as we speak at the moment. What is going on?
0: I mean, where do we begin? This all really started less than a week ago and it's really rocked the cryptocurrency market. In fact, Bitcoin. The bulk of the declines have actually come in the last two days, Monday and Tuesday, starting this week. At one point, it was looking in a really solid position. And late last week, after the non-farm payrolls, when we saw that risk rally in the markets, Bitcoin was pushing 21, 21 And now it's fallen to a two-year low below 17,500. So its fortunes have changed while the markets have held up relatively well in that time and it's it basically seems to center around th- three things one is the uh, ftx uh, exchange um which uh there's been liquidity concerns about and then there is uh obviously the ftt token which is falling in value if i'm not mistaken by around 80 percent And then there is the kind of sister firm uh, to FTX, which again has been rocked by uh, liquidity issues as well, or balance sheet problems uh, more accurately because of the amount of the FTTT token that it holds. It also holds a large amount of uh, Solaris, and that in itself has fallen quite heavily because uh, of the Holding that it has of that particular token and it's destabilized the entire cryptocurrency industry as far as confidence is concerned Which is why we are seeing these ripple effects into uh, the broader market, which is why we're seeing Bitcoin falling as much as we have it should be worth noting that this is not the first time that we've talked about liquidity and balance sheets and financial issues uh, over the course uh, of this year alone, we've obviously seen Three Arrows Capital uh, having issues uh, earlier this year. Uh, there's uh, others uh, around the same time as well, which were having uh, major issues. And that had a negative impact on the broader market as well. So I have, no, I have no doubt that the broader cryptocurrency market will recover from this as it has in those circumstances. But it's always interesting to see how, as these things unfold, what other things materialise uh, as a result of that. Now, at this point in time, it seems that binance is uh looking to effectively come to the rescue after initially uh looking to offload its holding of the uh, FTT tokens and we'll obviously see how that unfolds once the due diligence takes place etc but obviously this is going to Be another thing that really tarnishes uh, the industry which undermines some confidence uh, within uh, the cryptocurrency space because the speed with which this is unraveled and how intertwined so many uh, of these things are so you get an issue in one place and all of a sudden this becomes a a much broader issue it's not just a fund or an exchange or uh, or a coin it starts to have knock-on effects for other coins held by the the sister company or um uh, it can have knock-on effects throughout the rest of the cryptocurrency space but the most important thing is the cryptocurrency market has been shaken by this and it'll be interesting to see just how much this one kind of unravels in the coming days once we get a little bit more certainty once we see if Binance is ultimately going to come to the rescue and the implications that that is going to have not just uh, for uh, cryptocurrencies as a whole but those most exposed what lessons are learned and ultimately the the key question after that is what does this mean for regulation does this mean that regulation is now more likely does this mean that regulation is going to be more welcomed or what does this really mean because ultimately regulation is something that has been discussed for a very long time the question has always been what role a regulator is going to play how, how much of an oversight are they going to have on this and what stability and what certainty and uh, what what exactly can a regulator bring to this industry? And I think one of the hopes is going to be having systems and things in place so that when we do see these things uh, happen, that there are processes and protocols that can be followed um, and oversight can happen so that these things aren't happening quite as frequently. These types of things are going to be one of the benefits that we ideally see in a world where there is a little bit more regulation. But It still kind of feels like we're a long way away from that just because there doesn't seem to be a solid idea as to how regulation can possibly work in this space and ultimately what it will cover.
1: Of course, cryptocurrencies did particularly well during the pandemic, didn't they, Craig, as did big tech. But over the last few days, we've seen some of the biggest names on the block, Twitter and now Meta, announcing major cuts to their workforces twitter cut about half its uh, staff and now we've had this announcement from meta chief executive mark zuckerberg who said that 13 percent of its workforce is going to go and uh, he said it's the most difficult changes we've made in meta's history so again this is the opposite of what was happening during pandemic during lockdown when those big tech firms were doing particularly well but suddenly the worm has turned
0: yeah and i mean it is interesting isn't it because these are the companies that grew exponentially during the pandemic not just in terms of their share price but also in terms of their revenues and in terms of how people used their technology whether that is amazon or whether it is apple or whether it is tesla or whether it is peloton or meta all of these different firms that we saw the share prices boom during the pandemic because of how people are ultimately using that technology and you expect that with these kind of booms comes a massive hiring splurge and now it seems that that has gone uh in well too far which is why we're now seeing these layoffs being announced what's also interesting i think as well is the fact that what we're seeing in the us in particular but also elsewhere to a large extent as well is that we're seeing signs of the labor market remaining extremely tight and unemployment remaining really low and firms rather than letting staff go because of the lessons over the last 12 months which is they let people go during the pandemic and find it really difficult and really expensive to rehire rather than letting people go they're just pausing hiring and waiting to see how things go because they don't want to face another situation like the last 12 months if things do improve but that's very different in the tech space in the tech space instead we're seeing these mass layoffs but so it's, it's kind of indicative one of the kind of uh, reality uh, hit that these firms have had of now compared to 12 18 months ago but also the different kind of pandemics that they had as well because rather than have this massive period of uncertainty closures um, layoffs or furloughs they they were booming and performing extremely well and it seems that this reversal in fortune for some of these companies who have slowly got staff back at a more expensive cost and have decided they want to stabilize and steady you've got these tech firms who are now almost on the way down they've seen the share prices get absolutely hammered although still in many cases remain above pre-pandemic levels and now they're having to lay off mass numbers of staff and these numbers are quite uh, enormous uh, when we're talking about 13,000 and that's just within one firm there's plenty of firms as you've alluded to like twitter like peloton etc who have laid off huge numbers of staff in order to try and rein in costs because they need to shield themselves against what's to come so i imagine that this isn't going to be the last we're going to hear about one of these massive growth tech firms Laying off large numbers of staff because they've now got far too much capacity, far too great a cost and still immense uncertainty around the outlook for the economy, for their business and therefore uh, a need to readjust once more.
1: We'll be talking again tomorrow, uh, Craig, and reflecting on the latest uh, CPI numbers from the United States. Uh, What are markets expecting? So
0: the expectation is that inflation is actually going to abate slightly so markets forecasting around eight percent annual inflation in october six and a half percent on a core basis that's down from eight point two and six point six so a slight easing of inflationary pressures of course one number doesn't make a trend but is is going to be hope that we have now seen inflation peak but really what markets need to see is probably a little bit more than that if i'm perfectly honest and also they need to see another one before the next fed meeting so in between the two fed meetings we had two jobs reports one of which is uh, was last week and two inflation reports one of which is tomorrow so we need to see firstly consistency for the fed to commit to pairing back its pace of tightening which it's alluded to the fact that it's, it wants to do but also the thing that spooked the markets last week after the fed meeting was this idea that fine you've given us this idea that we could see a slower pace of tightening but you've also said the terminal rate is going to be higher than markets currently expect so we need to see two really positive inflation reports here that will give the fed confidence not just to pair back the pace of tightening but also when it releases its forecast in december maybe pull back on some of those expectations in terms of the terminal rate because that did spook the markets this idea that they could keep going higher you could say all markets were focused on last meeting was Are we going to see a 50 basis point in December or are we going to see it stick to 75? But there's no point from a market's perspective in terms of sentiment in the rate rising by 0.5% at one meeting rather than 75 if you get three more of those when you're only expecting 50 and 25 after. So both things ultimately matter. The one benefit I would say after the last meeting a week ago is that one thing that's doing 0.5% next month does do that 75 basis points does not even if the fed currently projects the terminal rate to be higher is it allows it time to see more data like this data that we're getting tomorrow which convinces it that the terminal rate doesn't actually need to be that high, even if it currently thinks it does. If you're seeing 75, 75, 75, 75, then at some point, you may not just have to ease your foot off the brake, but take it off the brake altogether and hope that you haven't caused too much damage in the interim. And that's one of the concerns which are floating around right now is that we've seen such an aggressive pace of tightening that by the time the Fed does ease off the brake, that it's going to be too late, the damage is going to be done. and We could see very low levels of inflation, if not deflation at some point in the future, and an economic recession and a bad one at that because the Fed was too aggressive that's one of the fears so in pulling back in December it will give itself time to realise that the previous rate hikes which do come with a lag are t- having an impact and that they can ease their foot off the brake more but again these are loads of if buts and maybes and as we've learned over the course of this year you can't really assume anything can you?
1: Certainly can't really interesting stuff Craig thanks very much indeed
0: Thank you This is the Oanda Podcast